Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. My name is Erica, and we have two co-hosts for you this week again, uh, Barbara Zagie and Ishmael Darrow. Welcome back, everybody. Hey. Hi. Okay, so this is our misogynist of the week, and we have our misogynist this week, because honestly, this was a feast and not a famine. Mm-hmm. Um the court for arbitration in sports. So it's kind of twofold because the court for arbitration in sport is part of the international association of athletics federation uh, that basically runs track and field, I would say worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so South African runner, Castor Semenya, a 28 year old Olympian challenged the IAAF, on its decision to restrict testosterone levels in female runners for distances between 400 meters and a mile, I believe. Um, Semenya, who has won the last 29 of her 800 meter races, was born with intersex traits, meaning her body produces atypically high levels of testosterone. The challenge meant that the court for arbitration in sport where three sports judges in Switzerland, big eye roll, took more than two months to reach this verdict, indicating the sensitivity and complexity of the case. Semenya lost her discrimination case, and the ruling means she will have to take testosterone suppressants if she wishes to compete in these shorter events. The court's decision found that forcing athletes with high levels of testosterone to lower them is, quote, discriminatory but necessary, unquote. Supporters of Semenya argue that the runner has been penalized for no other reason than the biological traits that she's born with. She is not cheated or found to be taking performance-enhancing drugs. Now, Barbara, I know you have feelings. (laughs) I know you have thoughts. I have thoughts. But I feel like I'm going to get Ishmael first because I know that your feelings will just... They'll just hit the mark. Okay, so Ishmael first. I'll be the appetizer. (laughs) The what? I'll be the appetizer. Barbara can do the main. I'm a full snack. I'm a full meal. Yo, it just means you're a snack. Mm -hmm. With two C's. Yes. Yes, a snack with two C's. That means you're a real snack, Ishmael. (laughs) So carry on. Um, can we just admit that sports court is not a real thing? (laughs) (laughs) Like this decision is really, um, disappointing for a lot of reasons, but also the fact that there's so much authority vested in quote sports judges to basically, you know, hand down these rulings that affect so many athletes. And obviously this decision really blows, but, um, I just, I just couldn't get over the idea of like sports court. Like, are they all wearing runners? I, you know, but <laughs> it's in Switzerland, so you know it's a big deal, right? Um, <laughs> that's where all good courts are located, <laughs> and banks apparently. <laughs> the decision is so so wild because I mean, as I think lots of people have pointed out, like if you are going to go, uh, you know, against people's basic biology, 
then Michael Phelps needs to have his arms like shortened like a foot. And Usain Bolt needs to like have like his shins taken out or something. Like there's just like at a certain point, athletes just have genetic, if you want to call them advantages. And and we don't think that's abnormal. But once you get into this terrain of gender and performance, the people's issues get just a lot more difficult um, and a lot more problematic, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sports, which directs Canada's anti-doping program, the Canadian Association for the Advancement of Women in Sport. You know, there's just a lot of acronyms here. Let me just fast forward. TLDR, they've condemned the decision and said they won't implement the policy in Canada. Well, the Olymp- the president of the Olympic Olymp- Olympic Committee came out and said that he empathized with Castor Semenya on a human level. He has to respect the authority of Cass. And so they're going to follow the rule. So, like, it doesn't mean anything. So, in other words, they're not going to challenge power, which means they're useless. Okay, next. Mm-hmm. Next. So, I guess, first of all, um, <laughs> so to give context to this, in the 1930s, um, men who controlled sports claimed that set, that women, certain women were, had the authority and the power to determine that certain women were abnormal and introduced gender verification to police them. Mm-hmm. In the 1960s, when women from the Soviet Union and the newly independent nations of the Global South, many of whom did not, quote, look like Western women, began to win many of the medals and the test was made universal. So, um, Based, based on this, this is an issue of what, what female is. So, well, one of the issues. Womanhood. It's the de- trying to define what womanhood, womanhood is, is. Which yeah. is, That's- well, that and the intersectional sort of view is um, that of black women's bodies. Oh, yeah. And we if we look at, uh, you know, Serena... Serena is a great modern example, Mm -hmm. but if you go back to the French and, you know, the, what is it? The International World's Fair, I believe, Mm -hmm. where they, they captured and imported a female slave to judge her body. I think that that is a, 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 a distinctive marker in the beginning of this white Western obsession with black female bodies, Mm -hmm. with our quote unquote musculature, with our idea of feminism that is actually born from slavery. Mm -hmm. So within all of that, you have a myriad of angles at which you could look at this. Um, So I guess let's start with the, with the grander female one Mm -hmm. or the idea of what, being a woman is and what that looks like and how much it is really based on this antebellum slavery notion of what womanhood is. Yeah. I think Castro Semenya's case, so for context, this case has been going on for 10 years. The IAAF has been, I, in my 
humble opinion, persecuting Castor Semenya for 10 years. Mm. You know how much energy they could have put into something else for 10 yeah. years? Yeah. They have put money, effort, legal strategies into fighting this woman. Mm-hmm. And it's a very specific and pervasive fight against Castor Semenya. Because mm-hmm. if you look even at the judgment, it's only for middle distance running. Well, they couldn't prove that the testosterone had given her an advantage anywhere else. Well, and, and they haven't proved it even, for, even that. for that. Because the study that they used for, like, um, to ba- that they based the, the case on has actually been disproven. Yeah. Um, but for me, this case of Castor Semenya is actually an interse- intersection of all the isms. It's, it really is. It's misogyny, misogynoir, transphobia, racism, xenophobia, sexist, cis-sexism. Um, <laughs> I joke that it's the caucasity from the deepest depths of the Caucasus. Yeah. <laughs> Legitimately. Like, you have to really, 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 really have an issue with this woman to be pursuing her at this ex- to this extent. Um, I think what you were talking about, her being a Black woman is very important to understanding why this is so ridiculous and completely unacceptable from Cass and IWA. I think IWA, IAAF as well, is this persecution wouldn't be happening if she wasn't a South African woman. So like a black South African woman. I think there's different levels. There's yes, she's a black woman, but she's also a black South African woman. So I'm going to agree with you because I think one of the things that we don't talk about a lot, mm-hmm. especially in the diet, well, we probably talk about it in the diaspora, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there is a privilege to being black and from a Western country. Yes. And that's something that I realized while living in England in Mm -hmm. London, in that surveillance state, Mm -hmm. right? Is that there is a premium placed on Black people from either Canada or the US. No other place, by the way. Well, the UK is also a certain level. Europe is a certain level. And then Black people from Africa are on a different plane. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that the IAAF would have pursued a case for so long and to this extent if she was an American athlete. I agree. Because the Americans wouldn't be having it. Exactly. And South Africa, to its credit, has supported Castor Semenya from the beginning. Uh-huh. But the fact that she's a South African athlete means that the IAAF has felt entitled to pursuing her to this extent. And to, like, basically, they have put her through hell. Mm-hmm. She had to go through a sex verification process and i heard it was very invasive yes so like they stripped her down it is a physical test it is not a chromosomal test it is a physical exam i can only imagine that somebody's fingers went up in her vagina probably like that's the kind of physical test sorry do you have daughters (laughs) no i don't even if you don't you should be able to say vagina and not feel of course yeah vagina it's fine (laughs) say it oh yeah sorry my mistake uh vagina I thought we were saying, like, you know, in a, in a general sense, you, sh- you should say vagina. But I will also no, we, just say yeah, it on the podcast. Were, but we wanted you to say it too. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for, for, for participating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your participation. But seriously, so, like, we've talked a lot about uh, Serena Williams and how, like, she has been, by the same 
same uh, court of arbitration has been like completely pursued and like has been tested for doping three times more than any athletes that she's competing with at the same level. Um, but Castro Semenya's persecution goes beyond that. Like they have taken her to court because they don't want her to compete. They yeah. want her to take her out. Ishmael, so question, how is this... Um, so in terms of how, I guess... On a level of, I don't even know what I'm asking now. Like, I, I'm just like, where's my question? Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's an infuriating topic. So I'm infuriated myself. And um, Ishmael, your infuriation needs to be on record too. So <laughs> that's what I'm, um, I'm like, yeah. yes. No, absolutely. I, I think it's, it, what's really troubling is, uh, you know, as Barbara was saying, like, there's very particular circumstances that make Castro Semenya stand out, but it also, it's a little baffling to me how the people who are going after her are so clueless that in an age where um, I think there's greater sensitivity and greater knowledge about the variation in, in, in different people's performance and, and their gender identity. And to be clear, I don't think Castro Semenya identifies as anything but a woman, but it, but it runs into She's the- She's always identified as a woman, yeah. Exactly. And, and but but it runs into those issues, and you have to wonder like who in that um, process looks at this and thinks that this decision is going to look good ten years from now. Never mind a week from now or today, but just like d- being able to project into the future. I just don't see how this is going to look like anything but a mistake to everyone, and it's baffling to me that they can't anticipate that. Um, I mean, obviously it's wrong today, but that it's just not going to be a huge black mark on all the institutions that they are representing, you know, long term. Yeah, I agree. And especially just the text of the decision was really like, who wrote this? Like, in what century do you live? They literally wrote it is discriminatory and they recognize it's discriminatory, but it's necessary. Hmm. Which... What? Like, yeah, like that's that's the one thing that I I was like, what? How can how can it be necessary to be discriminatory? But it's the, it's the ever failing argument that this is to preserve women in sports and the presence so, of women in okay, sports. Okay, so this is my it's question. Bullshit. This Sorry. is my question. Why do a bunch of men? Because I know there are a bunch of yeah. men feel the need to protect women from what? Like, why do they feel this need to protect women and women's sport and the femininity of this sport? Because that's basically what they're protecting. Mm -hmm. They're protecting their idea of what a woman and there are so many implications about women and strength Mm -hmm. in this. And the idea that a woman can only be so strong. She and once she starts exceeding their idea of what a woman can accomplish of how a woman's strength is perceived then all of a sudden it's a problem yeah but it also makes them have to think about a the way sports works today is gonna have to change we're gonna have to evolve beyond the binary and sports is gonna have to follow suit Mm -hmm. it's one of the spaces that is still very much in that binary of there's women's sports and there's men's sports and women and men cannot compete with each other because poor women cannot like throw a ball. That's okay. And that's sorry what I'm saying. Yeah. And the thing is, 
it's it's a it's an excuse. It's an excuse to maintain the system and perpetuate the system that already exists because mm-hmm. they don't want to in a, they don't want to think about what does it look like if we don't divide sports through if we don't see sports through the binary. What we've never actually had that conversation. How does how do we evolve sports into the 21st century where we recognize that there's a diversity in gender and gender and gender expression and bodies? How does that work? Intersex intersex people in sports are still struggling so much to be able to even just participate. Yeah. How do we make that work? But it's a complete excuse to say like, oh, we're protecting the women. They always say that. Mm -hmm. They're always protecting the women and children. Mm -hmm. But they're not really. It's an excuse. Well, they're, again, they're just perpetuating this, we're protecting Maria Sharapova from Serena Williams. Williams. Yeah, it's the same. It's that same sort of of framing of everything. So you know what triggered um, the IAAF to start an investigation in 2009? Some white woman told on her, I know it, because that's what they do. It's when an even every- better story. Oh, really? Because I feel like I'm on the right track. You're on the right track. Yeah, somebody ratted her out. I know No, it. it's a woman <laughs> who came in the sixth place. Oh, that's that's what I saw on Twitter, yes. Okay. Sixth place. Not second, not third, <laughs> not fourth, not even fifth. She wouldn't have made the podium even if Castor wasn't there. <laughs> sixth place. She started crying. Oh, started lobbying and then they started an investigation and it was just even reading the interviews from that time was like, even if you were not aware, like it was just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Sixth place. She felt so entitled Mm -hmm. to being recognized and seen. She was in sixth place. She would have not made it regardless. I don't even know her name now. Exactly. Sixth place. That's why this was triggered. Well, she really wanted to be fifth, I guess. I know, like, you know, she wanted to make it in the top five. Like, that was really, really vital to her existence. Sixth place. It's wild. It is wild. And the thing is, Castor Semenya is the most famous case and the case that has been going on for the longest time. But there's a case that's linked to hers from a woman from India, Dute Chand. I heard and yeah. that's really important to to also see is a lot of this has centered around Castor Semenya because she is the most prominent case and she is the most long-standing case against the IAAF. Uh, but she's not the only athlete that's affected by this. And making it a larger conversation about that is really important and recognizing the num- other names of these women who are being, let's call it persecution because it is persecution by the IAAF and CAS, um, is is really like centering it into a bigger picture and conversation. And again, it's a woman of color from a third world country um, who is going against the lords who are the head of cast and IAAF, you know? Like, that's how it's working. Um, And she won her case. That's the thing, too. Dute Chan won her case, and that's why Castor Semenya was able to come back. Because Castor Semenya, for a period of time... Um, was thought to be taking testosterone-suppressing medication I, yeah. because she had lost a case against the IAAF with CAS. They just keep coming around. And for a couple of years, she actually kind of fell off the map. Um, but she has said that she does not want to take this medication. She will not comply with the rules for now. And she does have the support of... Um, of her country and her sporting association and general wild 
like wide ranging support. Um, and she won her race after this judgment. So like Cass and IAAF major little. Yeah. I think one thing that's really interesting though, for me, and that has been heartening uh, to see is because I followed the case in 2009 because I grew up in Kenya and IAAF and athletics is a huge deal. We all follow it. Um, but it's been beautiful to see the evolution in terms of language and the way people are talking about Castor Semenya. Yeah, I, I'm impressed, honestly, at people. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I let's, let's you know, um, there was a piece in uh, a British publication that basically said um, that doctors wouldn't even recommend the treatment that they're recommending yeah. for her because uh, because of the high risk of osteoporosis and infertility. Yeah. No, it's a it's terrible. It's and the thing is, from the first time where they further recommend- stigmatizing her on the gender basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for the from the first judgment that they made, where they it was a certain they've doubled it the requirement has been doubled or tripled or something. So like, it's even more, which is, they have no regard for her health. Obviously they've done this to her for 10 years. Um, But for me, like the part that's been even more heartening, just not even just like the, the press, but the way that it's being talked about in South Africa and on on the African continent, the language has evolved a lot in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, when Castor Semenya first came on the scene and those, there were questions of, people were questioning her womanhood that has completely disappeared in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And she has like public support. People mm-hmm. don't question her womanhood like they did when she first appeared on the scene. I agree. And that has been a beautiful thing to see because it's decolonizing in a lot of ways, the way we talk about women um, within our own communities. So, so Ishmael, how does this um, sort of, play out in terms of sport and women in sports and the recruitment of women in sports and stuff like that. Well, I was thinking about the Serena Williams example a lot this week. And one thing that's, you know, I don't think I fully appreciated when I was younger, but you know, as you get older and your own body starts to fall apart, (laughs) I think you start to like recognize just like the beauty of athletics in a way. And certainly with Serena Williams, like over time, just her being the greatest tennis player of all time has quelched basically so many of the issues people used to bring up because there's nothing like a winner. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it, what's also really interesting about Castro Semenya's case is that she's just so dominant. And uh, obviously the stuff she's being put through is awful and it's unfair, but people ultimately like rooting for a winner, I think. And, and as Barbara was saying, like people are largely on board in the, in the same way that people have largely come around to being like recognizing that Serena Williams is the, the greatest tennis player possibly of all time, definitely in the women's sport, uh, but maybe tennis throughout. And, and there's just like, there's no quibbling with results in a way. And, and I think if there's a silver lining or if there's a note for optimism for me, it's that, um, when somebody is just that good, like ultimately all the arguments kind of fall apart once you, once the rubber hits the road. Yeah. In a lot of ways they have, and like the arguments that the IAAF is making are just antiquated and ridiculous. Um, But also what's really funny is Nike for some reason capitalizes on these stories all the time. 
So Nike actually released an ad with Castor Semenya this of week. Of course they did. Uh, under they the t- on, I don't know who they're... They they're hired like, a black person. <laughs> they, they definitely hired somebody of color. Because I'm like, I'm like looking at Nike and I'm just like, what? Yeah. What? They, yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, it's an ad called Let Her Run. And it's beautiful because it's Castor Semenya in her voice telling her story and like she's like yeah like I'm gonna do it my way or I'm not gonna and like you're not gonna stop me and it's very defiant and it's very uh power it's a beautiful ad but it's also kind of like a major like yeah try me IWF like Nike is one of your biggest like supporters and sponsors and that's where a lot of your money comes from so if they're on board why aren't you to be fair they are in sort of like this this gender-based arms race and athletic um, products and sales. Uh, one of the reasons why Adidas paired with with Beyonce was so that they could compete with Nike on that level. Mm-hmm. Because right now Nike's just running away with with Women. with um, with the female sports mm-hmm. bit. They also had a, a Mexican based ad that um, that was highlighting a girl playing football and you know, soccer football, sorry. <laughs> it's football in this house. There are like no white people in the room, so or or, or speaking. So I'm like, I'm I'm like <laughs> I I I'm into these types of ways of speaking. But anyway, um so she her mother was trying to put makeup on her and all this stuff. And it's so interesting because parallel to that, we have Game of Thrones. Parallel mm-hmm. to that, we have we have all of these expressions of, of changing what womanhood means. Mm-hmm. And the IAAF is like in 1950. Are you sure they're not like being funded by Trump? Because I feel like this would be... No, they, they're, they're an age-old institution that is stuck in its ways and is not going to change unless it's pushed to or it's too late. And it's also because there's buy-in there, right? Like, it's been chosen as the arbiter for athletics and has mm-hmm. been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it took forever for them to take athletes of color. Like, and decolonization took a while. And, like, all of that. It Our big institutions are going to be years behind. But I think this challenge and Casta Semenya's story is going to force them to have a conversation yeah if they are not having a conversation and are not listening to their audience they're gonna lose that buy-in if they lost all of the african countries who would watch that stuff like who would, who would, who would run there'd be no records broken exactly like, like ser- no seriously okay ishmael here this is you okay how does sport go forward now with recruiting girls in light of this, especially from those countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways, um, th- these institutions, these sports institutions, you know, they're important and they're influential. But I, when you think of the big moments in sport, they usually come down to like individual greatness, right? And individual drive. Like if you think of, um, you know, a famous Olympic moments from Jesse Owens onward, like it's that was not necessarily like the U S Olympic program, you know, sticking at the Hitler. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, right. And I, and I think just Castro Semenya's story and, and this, the story overall is just going to come down to, this is going to piss people off and it's going to inspire people. And I, you know, people are going to point back 
at this time as like something that really galvanized them. And maybe it's worth just like ending on, on Castro Semenya's own words. You know, it's funny because when she was asked after, after the fact, like, so uh, are you going to take hormone suppressants or like testosterone suppressants? She said, hell no, (laughs) I'll always run 800 meters. I can't be forced to switch races. I'll switch when I want to switch. No man can tell me what to do. And I just feel like that undoes any rationalization or, or nonsense that is thrown at her because ultimately, you know, she is, um, she's charging ahead. And I just think that's going to be the thing that people look to when they join the sport or, or in future, when they look back at what made them get involved. That is perfect. And on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Our misogynist of the week. Um, Ishmael, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ID4RO. You just search for my name and uh, that's probably the best place. Barbara? I'm on Twitter too at uh, BNZGA. That's N-Z-I-G-I-Y-E. And um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, email badandbpod at gmail.com, patreon.com forward slash Bad and Bitchy. You know, I've been on the internet a long time, and this used to be the thing. Um, <laughs> redbubble.com slash people slash Bad and Bitchy for merch, um, as our friend Barbara here is wearing. And on that note, Ishval, you know what you need to do. Your inner Becky needs to shine. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. One, two, three. Bye. Bye. Oh, that was oh, good. That was good. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ishval, you've come such a long way. You have. In 30 minutes, sir. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, my bitch is bad and bullshit. <laughs>